there's so many platforms you can use now to sort of pseudo personalize the scale. What I really break it down to now and what we challenge our, my team and our, our customers to do is to think about authenticity and doing that at a reasonable scale. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about how to more effectively engage prospects, how to drive personalization at scale. And I'm not going to miss the opportunity to touch on why startup founders need to understand sales. As we all know, that's a hot button topic for me. To help us, we have with us Nick Cassell, Director of Sales at Sendoso. Nick, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show. Chad, thank you for having me. So we always like to start with just a little icebreaker and it's just an opportunity for the audience to get to know you a little bit better as a person kind of been on this kick lately. I don't know why. I'm just understanding something that our guests are passionate about that our listeners might be surprised to learn. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I've been involved in for the past couple of years that I'm, I'm really passionate about is something called the Canon Project, which was started by a friend of mine. And the sort of larger mission of helping students while they're still in university understand that startups and specifically startup sales is a career path. It might sound silly, but no one stops to tap you on the shoulder, sophomore, <laughs> junior year of college, and, and tell you that you can go to a company you've never heard of in San Francisco or wherever it might be, and you know go build something special. Those those companies just don't make it to to campus is to recruit. They don't have the resources, and so a lot of friends of mine have gone into more traditional career paths, you know, consulting, finance, and then pivoted later to startups once they found out that was an option. So I love. You know, working with Milo Mater, Boston College, hosting college students uh, coming out to San Francisco, showing them around the office and setting them up at some other startups to really open their eyes to this, uh, you know, wonderful world of startups. Well, and it's, it's, it's exposing them to things they wouldn't have known were there. Like you said, they don't come to campus and there's so many of them out there, uh, startups, if you know, if you know where to look, but at that age, they probably don't. And then I'm curious though, when you get involved with them, do any of them, maybe at that age, they don't. They're not as concerned about it. Any of them worry about startup risk when you're talking with the youngins? They do. Yeah. And, and it's something where I sort of challenge them to ask yourself, you know, what is the worst case scenario here? And I think for most people, your appetite for risk should be the highest year one out of college yeah. and <laughs> probably go down from there. Right. Uh, you know, you're not going to have, you don't have kids, you don't have a mortgage, probably you might have some student loans. That's obviously something to consider, but there is a little bit of that, you know, Hey, if you're going to throw the deep ball, this is the time to do it. Right. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right. So let's start with just for context for the audience, just an overview of kind of brief overview of, of what Sendoso does so that we've, we've got some context for our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So Sendoso is a sending platform. So we basically facilitate the process of sending just about anything to your prospects, customers, employees. So that could be, you know, $5 Starbucks gift card, a branded Patagonia, or we even integrate with Amazon. So you can, you know, speak a mile moder. Someone could go on there via our integration, send me a Boston College mug. Um, and actually just yesterday, we announced uh, that we released a Cameo integration 
So you could send someone <laughs> a video of Snoop Dogg pitching them your product or whatever that might be. I'm really excited about that one. Has anybody done that yet? I mean, because the cameo thing I think is relatively new in terms of scaling it. But have you have you obviously tested it? I would assume so. Dive into that a little bit because that is that's extremely interesting. Yeah. So you know, we actually borrowed this idea from the people over at Gong, super creative uh, SCR and sales organization, and and they re- realized in, in kind of getting creative and getting tactical that there was this really cool platform called Cameo where you could you know hire anyone from like Robert Herjavec to Snoop Dogg to the guy who does the Tres Comas from Silicon Valley, if you've seen that show. <laughs> and they'll basically say whatever you whatever you kind of put in the comments. And it ends up being, you know, really funny and and definitely stands out and is memorable. And so they were going on a cameo and spending all this money and sending people stuff. But you know, you're you're having to go over to the platform, you're having to copy paste links, see if they opened it, it's disjointed, it's its own, you gotta expense it after the fact, and there's no tracking on it. And that's really why people use Sendoso for anything, right? And, and that's what I love to tell people is, you know, hey, if you're not sure this stuff works, you know, don't, don't take it from me. Don't buy Sendoso yet. Go test this on your own. And you're going to figure out two things. One, that it works. And two, that it's a pain in the butt if you don't have a platform <laughs> to facilitate it. Right. So You've got a lot of places you have to go. Exactly. So, yeah, to answer your question, you know, we almost everything we build is, is an idea we borrow from our customers, stuff they've seen work. And we integrate it into the platform and try to streamline it for them. And so obviously your team, you know, your sales team is, is using, I would assume the platform and, and using this in their prospecting efforts. Personalization at scale is a huge challenge for a lot of organizations. And so I'm curious to dive a little bit into how your team's leveraging not only your own tools or, or maybe you're guiding them to optimize their prospecting motion and, and, and deal with that personalization at scale challenge. Yeah, really glad you brought this point up. It's funny. I actually talked to uh, Jeremy Donovan over at Sales Loft about this a couple of weeks ago. And what we were sort of boiling it down to is the personalization at scale has become, I think, really tired in a lot of ways. And I'm sure you've received a lot of correspondence that is sort of in line with that personalization at scale model, where it's, you know, a first name, noticed, blank whatever it might be, where there's sort of just those data inputs. And there's so many platforms you can use now to sort of pseudo personalize the scale. What I really break it down to now and what we challenge our, my team and our, our customers to do is to think about authenticity and doing that at a reasonable scale, right? You don't, you don't want to sacrifice the quality there for the quantity, of course, but how do you go beyond personalization to try to actually make an authentic connection. That's a big, so I'm just, I'm processing that for a second. So that's a big, so the question becomes, how do you do that and still maintain the level of activity necessary to fill the pipeline or achieve whatever objectives the organization has set? Yeah, well, and, and I'll tell you, I think if you think about it this way, if you're firing off 10 emails to a friend, you can get that done incredibly quickly because you're not, as worried maybe about things like word choice or where you capitalize or even small things like grammar. I'm, I'm, I think a contrarian here. I think the more that you are yourself and communicate from that place of authenticity, the more that the recipient is going to see you as being authentic and, and being sort of a, a real human being and a real person with, with 
you know, your own personality and your own flavor. And that message is just going to come across more authentic and it's going to naturally feel more personalized because marketing, let marketing do their thing, right? Marketing does their emails. You're, you're not, you're not a Marketo email blast, right? So, you know, why, why be focused on hyperscale, you know, hyper polished, personalized that's, and I think people also talk a lot about this and this is its own rabbit hole we can get down to, but with obviously AI and all the technology that's going to, that's already innovated a ton and will continue to, where does the human fit within all this? Right. Cause there is, there's probably a tool that's less than 12 months away where you could plug it into your Salesforce and it can send a personalized email to everyone, multi-step, whatever. So where does the human come into play here? And what can we do that machines can't? And I think that's the authenticity piece. And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, because the automation is not hard to pick up. I mean, even as the tech evolves, it's still, I, mean, I haven't seen anything that I haven't been able to look at and go either. This was a template out of, out of something mm-hmm. like sales loft or outreach that just dropped in some key, you know, phrases, my name or name of the company or whatever. Uh, I haven't seen anything that has the ability to get to that anywhere near that authentic level. But being authentic in communication and outreach, there's a skill set to, to that that's really more on the human side. So when you're looking for hiring or coaching sales individuals, what types of behaviors and uh, skills are you looking for? Ways are you, uh, you know, testing their ability to be authentic in their communications? Yeah, it's, it's a really great point. I, I think self-awareness is at, the, is at the heart of it all in terms of understanding you know, if you tell someone, hey, just be authentic with it, <laughs> do, do they have a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Do they do know they what that means? That? <laughs> yeah, does that land? And what is their authentic personality, right? And I don't necessarily care. I'm not looking for a specific profile of authenticity. And in fact, it's incredibly important to me to have a diverse team where everyone has their own flavor of that. But if you're someone who uses really, you know, colorful language is really expressive and emotive, go lead with that. If you're someone who, I mean, we have an SDR, one of our best guy named David Denver, shout out David. He's awesome. And he is the most high energy guy that you'll ever meet. And he's gifts and caps letters. And that's who he is in Slack. That's who he is in internal emails. And we love seeing him be like that with prospects and customers. Cause you get those emails and it just jumps out of your inbox because it doesn't look like the nine other templated things you have. It's so much emotion, authenticity that you just can't help but feel that. Right. It comes through. It translates. Yeah. And have you seen, so that kind of authenticity combined with using Sendoso, can you paint kind of a picture of how your teams are kind of combining that for a campaign-based or cadence-based or sequence-based, whatever word you want to use, outreach approach? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, again, you know, I'm going to be a dead horse here, but it it goes back to being authentic and leveraging Sendoso as just another channel. And I think the authenticity should carry through all channels you use and the obvious ones for people are phone and email, right? So that's what we just talked about with email. I think the phone piece is pretty straightforward. Don't be a robot when you call someone. And then with Sendoso, all we're doing is, is enabling a new channel for people. So, hey, look, you can send an email, you can make a phone call. You can also send stuff too. And that's what we open up the doors to is, you know, you can send someone 
branded golf tees from their alma mater if you find out they're a golfer. You can send them, you know, a lunch gift card if you know they're going to have a busy day and they're back to back or if they're doing you a favor and taking the meeting you have during what you know is their lunch hour, right? So it's really just this sort of Pandora's box of options for making that human connection. And especially now, you know, I, I can't emphasize this enough with, I know I am feeling the, the burnout and the effect of not being able to get on a plane and go meet with my, my prospects and customers. And every, I think everyone is sort of hurting as a result of that, right? There's no conferences, there's no trade shows, there's no handshake with the prospect, no matter how big the deal is. And so how do you try to replace that just a little bit? And have you seen big changes? I mean, obviously, you know, the pandemic changed everything for a lot of people. Changes in kind of people's response when they receive something or it could be a potentially increased uh, challenge of finding out where to send them stuff because a lot of people aren't <laughs> at their offices or at home. Have, have you run into any of that? And if so, how have you dealt with it? Yeah, so I'll give you sort of two answers. The first is from a, a little bit more of just the logistics of actually sending items. So we, through our platform, let you prompt an email to someone or a little link you can put in your own email. And that'll just say, hey, I'm sending you over something. Let me know what address to send it to. And you know, we're SOC 2 compliant. We, that data is never stored. In fact, our clients cannot see the address that their prospects put in, even if they wanted to. It's all completely secure. Okay. But that gives that that sort of power of, of choice and flexibility so someone can sort of both opt into receiving the item and put in the preferred address. And that's obviously, you know, invaluable right now. And then the other piece of it is I think leading with empathy is something that we've seen be incredibly powerful the past couple of months. And so that's a rise in things like charity donations. It's a rise in recognizing people's reality. And again, all of this is sort of, I think, once you have the, the right to leverage this information, but say you're on a Zoom call with someone and they've got you know kids jumping up in the background or there's a dog barking, starting to recognize their reality and appreciating that people are inviting you into their homes now. And I think there's a responsibility as a seller to recognize that, to appreciate it, and to be real about the fact that things are different and you're selling to, you know, a person that's dealing with unique challenges and a unique reality right now. And so how can you try to make that connection by recognizing those things? Yeah, it's a, it is a highly emotionally charged environment right now. And you have to be really careful <laughs> about understanding that uh, everybody's experiencing it differently. Some may be some, you know, like myself, have had probably losses from the pandemic. Others have maybe haven't been directly touched other than the, the lockdown, but are still in an environment where they're isolated. Uh, it, it creates a drastic increase for the need for empathy. Have you found a way, I, I have not successfully found a way to teach it, to teach empathy, to help someone slow down enough to understand you are dealing with a human being. I'm curious when you're hiring or you're coaching your teams, how you might reinforce that with them because they themselves are also going through this. And so how do you, how do you kind of bridge that gap and, and kind of level, level set the field? I think it's all about the tone that you set and that the entire leadership team sets. And I think it's coming from a place of a trust that the people that 
you hire to do a job are are doing the job, but also not being tone deaf in those moments, right? And a few of the, I'll give you an example. You know, we had a buyer a couple of weeks ago, they miss a meeting. And so, you know, the rep's sort of trying to explain, trying to figure out what happened. As a manager, you could say, look, we had this on the meet on the calendar. It's a key deal. You know, it's a key deal for your quarter. You know, did you set the agenda? Did you do all the things you need to do? And you can sort of come down on them, or you can take a step back and say, let's assume that you did do all th all the things right. There there could be something else going on, and you set that tone of let's just sort of seek to understand here. And we come right. to find out the person ended up having childcare for the evening fall through. Right. And so I think that as long as your employees and Simon Sinek talks a ton about this, and I think he's a brilliant, um, brilliant author and thought leader here. His Ted talks are great. His books are great. Leaders eat last is a favorite of mine. When your employees feel safe, they will do their best work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so have, have you had challenges? Like how has just out of curiosity, how has Sendoso found business changing for them in the middle of this, or as we go through this, uh, kind of new situation and the pandemic and stuff. What changes have you had to make uh, across the organization? Aside from you mentioned not traveling, but I'm curious, what other ways have you proactively tackled it to ensure that the employees feel safe and continue the, hopefully the growth trajectory? Again, it's, it's a really good point. And I would say, honestly, that it's something that we're still figuring out. You it know, is a it's a work in progress. Yeah. It's a complete work in progress. And I think it, it requires starting at a, at a point of, we don't know how to do this. And that, that sort of, again, self-awareness and the recognition that there's not a playbook for this and we're going to figure it out as we go. And being upfront with the employees on that too, right? Because one of the most frustrating things is when leadership, I think, pretends that everything is figured out and that there is a playbook or there is a system. And I think that can really deteriorate trust where on the other hand, sort of just opening your arms and saying to the team or to employees, we're gonna all figure this out together and we don't know. And, and we need to hear from you what you need and we'll do our best to support that. But this is gonna be a conversation. It's not gonna be a series of orders. Absolutely, it has to be collaborative. I think I've seen, I mean, as much as we're all, you know, dealing with the Zoom <laughs> fatigue, um, yeah. the organizations that, that enable that, uh, collaboration that rely on and listen to their employees, I think have a tendency to weather much better uh, than those that kind of have that fear-based reaction where they clamp down mm -hmm. uh, at least from, at least from what I've seen so far. So glad to hear that that's kind of the approach that, that Sendoso has taken. So any stats that you might have or, or insight into kind of how effective things were pre COVID versus how your teams are doing today in terms of leveraging those multiple channels I uh, always like to see if there's, you know, things that you're seeing or trends that you're seeing uh, as things are changing and evolving. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's been interesting to just see the shift in how our customers think about metrics and the things that are important to them. And so, you know, of course, it's something where pre-COVID we're talking about increasing response rates, right? And we'll tell, you know, talk to clients and they'll say, hey, we're getting you know, four times better response rates than we were getting before, or our emails are getting 2% engagement rate. We're seeing 15 to 20 with Sendoso, right? And we're still seeing metrics sort of in line with that, really strong in terms of the engagement piece. Uh, if you send someone an offer to, to send them something, 
they'll confirm their address there 65% of the time, which is phenomenal and really gives you an opportunity to make sure you're being conscious about spend right now. Because of, of course, pre-COVID, if you're sending something to an office, there's a, a, always a chance it gets lost. Right. And now we're saying, let's get the address from the recipient. So you're making, there's sort of a double opt-in going on there where they're saying, sure, I'll receive something. That's engagement in itself. And then when they receive something is that second tier of engagement. The part that I think sort of one layer deeper is that's really interesting right now with the people we talk to is back to trade shows being canceled. That was a really core piece of the way that most marketing teams were getting their leads, pipeline, their you know metrics for the year. And that's how they were hitting goals. And so we, we talk to these marketers all day. And I think together we're sort of figuring out that you can't just go spend more on Marketo and get more out of it. Right. There's, there's sort of an absolute limit to the amount that you can spend until, and I, I give the analogy of you think about digital channels, right? Like let's just use email or ads, for example. And obviously we're all inundated with all of these things, but it's, it's a congested highway that suddenly has more cars trying to get onto it all of a sudden because it's the only option. Yeah. I saw a stat somewhere, just regular email, like open rates pre COVID Globally, we're around 30 to 36% globally. And then when COVID hit, I saw stats that it had dropped to like 6%. Because, I mean, just think about, I haven't run the analysis on my own inbox, but I can tell you that the email exploded once mm-hmm. we stopped all getting on planes and stuff. Think about that, the inundation of, of sorting you have to do, <laughs> going through stuff, what it takes to get somebody's attention. I like the double opt-in. That, that also gets you around privacy concerns, I would assume, mm-hmm. considering we've got what is it? The California consumer privacy protection act, which is a lovely piece of legislation that has big risks for organizations. So to set that up and be able to provide that to organizations, I think is a definite win, especially when we're in an ever evolving business environment. So well done. Want to change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions at the end of each interview. The first is simply as a sales leader, that probably makes you a prospect for other people. <laughs> so there's probably people trying to get in front of you and get your attention. Always curious to understand what works best. If somebody doesn't have a referral, like they don't know somebody that you know, and it's not somebody you trust, what works best for you for them to capture your attention and earn time to uh, earn the right to time on your calendar? This is a softball. Come on. <laughs> well, I know. You know, I, you know, I, know I know. I hope. <laughs> I hope you are consistent in your answers because I have. I have a bet. But yeah, you know, I want to hear. I want to hear it again for the guests. Of course. So, hey, I'm. I'm always. I'm obviously going to say. You know, try to send me something. Get my attention. And if that's not something that you have the resources to do, again, be authentic. Right. Be yourself. And. The difference is is so obvious on the receiving end when you're getting a templated email someone else wrote versus someone really trying to be themselves in their in their messaging. And I think for me that makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, agree one hundred percent. All right, so now I'm going to alter our last question a little bit because I know what I would say if I were you. So I'm going to change it up just a little bit. We call it our acceleration insight. If there was one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or professional services people, aside from being authentic, one thing you could tell them, aside from being authentic, that you believe if they listened to would would change the course of them hitting their targets, what would it be and why? So my number one piece of advice would be 
I'll go, I'll go a little bit of a different direction here. Obviously, authenticity is, is the drum I've, I've been beating this, this whole podcast here, but I'll say, seek to understand, write that on a sticky note and put it on your desk. And every time someone gives you an answer or you feel yourself maybe going through the motions on a call, really challenge yourself to seek to understand where that answer is coming from, what someone's dealing with, the position the organization might be in, so many things, right? Start to try to really fill in that portrait of what is this person dealing with? What are the peripherals? What are they really, how can I help here? What are they trying to get out of this? And really challenge yourself not to get your discovery questions answered or to meet your objectives, but to really understand. Absolutely. Love it. All right, Nick, if a listener's interested in more information on Sendoso or connecting with you, where do you prefer we send them? You have a preferred outlet for us? Sendoso.com. You can hit us up on LinkedIn. I am Nick at Sendoso.com. If you want to flood my inbox, <laughs> um, we are, we are pretty easy to get in touch with. All right, Nick, I can't thank you enough for taking time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Chad, I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. All right, everybody that does it for this episode, you know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share with friends, family, coworkers. Let your kids listen to it. It's better for them than screen time. Until next time, we will talk. We wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.